Well, hello, Morris Beagle. Thank you so much for being with us on Hemp Barons today. Well, thank you, Joy Beckerman. It's my pleasure to be here on Hemp Barons today. You are one prolific hempster, Morris Beagle. Now, of course, you're very widely known because you have founded, uh, along with your partners, of course, Lizzie and Lori and your expansive team of, of just merry, amazing, brilliant hempsters, um, NOCO, the Northern Colorado Hemp Expo, which is the most popular and largest hemp trade show in North America and very possibly uh, the world. So that's what you're so well known for. But of course, you've got Southern Hemp Expo, One Planet Hemp, Tree Free Hemp, Let's Talk Hemp, the Colorado Hemp Company, and the most exciting silver mountain guitars for musicians and wonderful tangible products that we have that are made actually with hemp fiber in terms of hemp wood, hemp biocomposites. Let's get into it. I'd love for us to first start with NOCO as we're all dealing with COVID. There's been a transformation for everybody in the event in industry. But you and Lori and Lizzie did not skip a beat. So let's talk a little bit about how NOCO has transformed and continues to educate and bring everyone together with that amazing virtual conference platform that you've developed through your virtual conferences. Yeah, so as you know, we, uh, we were in California together at the beginning of March uh, and we were going to do a hemp future panel at the Natural Products Expo and all of a sudden, boom, cancellation, and and then we're in the hot seat, what's going to happen, and sure enough, you know, everything starts shutting down, and, and we have to postpone NOCO, and we postponed it into August, which again now has been repostponed into next year, into March, but we did immediately pivot into the cloud and created a virtual conference and trade show. We bought into a platform, and we did an Earth Week event you know, three weeks after when NOCO was going to be done. And then we did a next another one, uh, Summer Solstice, over Summer Solstice Week, uh, which you got to participate in and moderate a panel. And we're going to do one more before the end of the year. We're going to do a WAFA virtual in November, and that's going to be November 10th through 12th. And it's going to even have more expansive program than we've done uh, the last couple. Now, when you mention WAFPA, you are talking about an acronym for really all of the family of uh, hemp businesses uh, that you and your partners are responsible for and have brought to the world. And that's WAFBA, W-A-F-B-A, We Are For Better Alternatives. Uh, you're a planetary healing group. And like me, hemp is your vehicle. Uh, now, this virtual conference platform, and, and it's just such a joy uh, because even I remember the very first one, the Earth Week uh, virtual conference, it was really the beginning in so many ways um, of COVID and the, and the transference of, and the transition of going from an in-person platform um, and event to virtual. And it's incredible what you were able to develop uh, that, that platform that allowed us to network with each other. Uh, we opened up the screen and it looked like we were in the hotel lobby right there at a, at a hemp conference. We could go into the exhibit hall. Uh, we could go into the networking lounge. We could communicate with each other within those uh, specific groups and forums. Um, there, We have briefcases in both of, of those, and I'm certain in the next one that you're going to do as well, where we could pack up our briefcases with pre-recorded presentations 
presentations. And I know I worked very hard uh, on presenting mine in such a way that folks would get a, a big bang for their time in listening from history to all of the industries to various environmental benefits with proper agronomic practices for the cultivation of hemp. And folks could fill their briefcase up with these presentations. And it was really almost, you could say, even added value. So I'm. Um, it's just amazing what you have been able to accomplish. Did you get a lot of tremendous feedback? Are you still getting feedback from the platforms and, and the educational outreach from those tremendous efforts? Yeah, we've got really positive feedback. You know, everybody's obviously trying to do the best they can during COVID and, and be able to still network and make connections and buy and sell and so forth. And and it's different doing the, the virtual thing than, than an in-person thing. Uh, I think there's still a ways to go with it, but for what is available out there, we're, we're pleased with what we've been able to build thus far. Our team's worked really hard. I've got a great people that have just put in tons of hours to, to really make this platform work well. And again, the feedback has been great from the sessions, the live sessions that we did, plus that library of content that people submitted to, such as yourself, pre-recorded presentations, and just had some great content. And again, you could pack up your briefcase and, and load it all in there and, and walk away with a lot of information. So the feedback's been great, and we're looking forward to continuing you know, down that virtual path. And we're looking forward, more forward to getting back together in person one of these days. Hopefully. Of course. I to say I miss your faith and the entire NoCo family would be a really big understatement. So so grateful that we at least have technology during these uh, transformative times. And, and then this is a great springboard for us to talk as we sort of move through uh, the absolute repertoire of what WAFPA offers to not just the nation, but to the whole world. Let's talk hemp. Can you tell us a little bit about that platform? Because talk about outreach and education, and that's on basically a 24-7 access basis. Right. So Let's Talk Hemp actually started back at the end of 2015 and going into 2016. That's what we really created for the programming at NOCO. And so all of the, the programming and education formed around Let's Talk Hemp. We launched the website. And since then, we've also launched a newsletter, a podcast, a digital magazine. And right now, we're, we're revamping the website and the, the newsletter and the magazine. We're, we're really putting a lot of effort into streamlining that platform and, and building that media base um, to really have our, our narrative out there about what this plant can do and, and provide really good information. And plus, we're also curating a lot of other information out there from other news sources the relevant information, whether that's the natural products market or the fiber market or the overall cannabis market, entertainment industry, anything that's relevant to the plant, we're being able to curate and then put within our platform. It's fantastic. So a tremendous resource building that knowledge base uh, and those resources for the community that they can access for free, at least right now. Yep. Isn't that right? Absolutely. So fantastic. Now, I also know one of the very first companies uh, that you formed, along with Tree Free Hemp, was Colorado Hemp Company. So explain to us what Colorado Hemp Company's uh, products and or services are. 
So Colorado Hemp Company was the first company that we started in 2012 when we decided to go into the hemp industry. So that was really kind of the base. And it became what I call the brain or the producer of everything that we're doing right now. So it really originally started off as a merchandise company. We were repping Wicked Hemp Footwear and Hempies and Hemp Mania. Uh, that's how we got into this. And we started printing some t-shirts and some hats. And so we started off really as a merchandise company with Colorado Hemp Company. And then Colorado Hemp Company launched Tree Free Hemp shortly after in 2013 and started producing paper and, and print products. And then we produced NOCO Hemp Expo in 2014 and Colorado Hemp Company produced that. Then we actually started WAFBA in 2015 to start housing all these different entities that we were creating. So the way I look at it is, is, is WAFBA is really the body that encompasses all of the brands and Co-Hemp Co or Colorado Hemp Company is the brain and the creator and the producer that drives everything. And now I would Love say it. that Let's Talk Hemp is kind of like the engine or the heart behind it. And then we've got these tentacles, offshoots like NOCO and Southern Hemp Expo and Tree Free Hemp and One Planet and Silver Mountain Hemp. So they're kind of like the tentacles that are out there that are really the product and the, the real brands. You know, and it's just amazing how many marks you and your partners hit uh, from accuracy, from integrity, from inclusion and diversity into even graphic design. You have the most beautiful graphics for every aspect. And as I look here at wafpa.org, you can actually see a visual demonstration of what you just explained to us. And that th those graphics, all of that, so very important to create, you know, a really professional attractive, inspiring, um, encouraging resource and just set of platforms for us to participate in and, and engage with. So then let's talk about tree-free hemp because, you know, um, fiber and oil seed are at my heart. I am so grateful for hemp extract and cannabinoids. My goodness, we're talking about a complete general wellness and public health global revolution of epic proportions. It's obviously like discovering uh, that the world is round and not flat, this discovery of the endocannabinoid system um, within every human body. Clearly, we have a relationship with the plant, but I remain, of course, such an oil seed and fiber gal and really wanting to see all of those industries realized. As you know, we're talking about human and animal nutrition, body care, pharmaceuticals, nutraceuticals, paper, textiles, biocomposites, building materials, industrial sealants and coatings, energy fuel, nanotechnology, the whole bit. I know the listeners hear me say that list all the time, but I, I just want to shout it from the rooftops. And you and I share that, your partners and I share that, and your whole, of course, tremendous team on really wanting to see these industries, the infrastructure for these industries uh, come along and develop, and my goodness, they are rapidly coming online. So right at the very beginning, as you say, there was Colorado Hemp Co., and that birthed tree-free hemp. Um, and I remember right away uh, at the almost the beginning of the, of the first growing season of the Farm Bill, I was sure to interview you and write um, an article about this. We're really talking about the trillion-dollar industries. Most importantly, we're talking about the largest 
impact on planetary and thus human and animal healing. So tell us what products folks can purchase if they want to blend hemp into their uh, offerings or office supplies or home offices or any of the other um, activities that they're engaged in. What can people purchase and what products and services are available through Tree Free Hemp? So we've got paper reams and there's like four different weights. You can get a 60 pound text. It's like your standard copy paper, then an 80 pound text, which is a little bit heavier, more for like a resume paper or brochures. And then there's a light uh, cover stock that's 70 pound uh, cover. And then there's 110 pound, which is the heaviest stock that we currently have. And that's used for business cards. But we do business cards and brochures and postcards, posters, hang tags, some limited packaging. There's some other people out there using the same paper that we use that are doing more packaging than we are. But the, our main printer in Denver doesn't like to do a lot of the boxes. So we refer that business to, there, there's some other people that are doing more of the box and package stuff. You know, unfortunately we're still at a point where there's not a tremendous amount of paper available out there. Our fiber industry here has still been a bit anemic in the US, but that's changing. And we know that's changing And the grain and the fiber industry, we're gonna see grow exponentially over the course of the next two to three to five years. So I'm really looking forward to that. Once we have a lot more biomass and materials that can go into the paper and packaging industry, just the same as the plastics and the composites industry, you know, we're going to see the price drop on that. We're going to see a lot more availability. And we already know that the demand is significantly high out there, particularly for packaging. All these cannabis companies and natural products companies, if they can box up their tinctures and all their other goods that has paper packaging, they would opt for a hemp package just like that if it was readily available and somewhat cost competitive. But we're going to get that. And those are the tip of the iceberg, those industries. There are so many. Um, this is this is going to be, you know, widely in demand the more we can educate. Educating, educating, educating is our largest work that we have to do. And one of the reasons why I love uh, the NoCo family so much, because I know it's your heart song the same way that it is mine. And let's talk for a moment about there's all of these sort of misguided ideals, as I like to say, around hemp um, in in general, and folks want to see 100% hemp everything. Well, uh, hemp is the greatest blender. It's the greatest synergizer and synthesizer with the existing products. Sure, 100% hemp things are wonderful. Having said that, blending hemp into our existing products can make them stronger, better, more envir environmentally friendly, and of course, healthier. So tree-free hemp really means we're blending hemp fiber in with tree-free paper, so already post-consumer recycled paper. Can you explain to us a little bit uh, about uh, the, the paper and whether or not there's any acid-free aspects to it and uh, any bleaching? Okay, so it is, the paper we have is 25% hemp, 75% post-consumer recycled. It's acid-free, it's chlorine-free, um, it's archival, and yeah, people would like to see this 100% hemp paper. We get asked for it a lot, and it's like nobody's making 100% hemp paper except for some of these hand-making pa hand paper people like Alicia and she's been doing that for years, or Aguadas, and, you know, some of these hand, you know, craft paper makers, and that stuff's really cool, 
but it's you can't really commercialize that yet. And like you said, hemp is a great blending ingredient. It really is, whether it's for apparel, um, whether it's for composites, whether it's for paper and packaging. And there's so much recycled material out there. We might as well use hemp with it rather than using virgin wood pulp. I mean, that's what, that's, that's, what, that's what it comes down to is we want to just stop using virgin wood pulp. We need to stop. Amen. And that really is, is the larger point. It almost is when people say, you know, why don't you have 100% hemp paper? The, it's almost like, and I, I don't like to ever be snippy, people are asking these logical questions, but the answer is almost like, why do you feel like you need 100% hemp paper? Uh, you know, if we, we're not be believing in monocrops, we can't cover the planet Earth in hemp and think that we're not going to have an environmental disaster from that. Permaculture says design systems that mimic nature. Nature adapts, nature works better together, nature works smarter, not harder, and we're learning to do that as people, as industry, and you're such a catalyst and a lightning uh, rod for that, the WAFPA family. Um, so let's also then talk about regular old items that I want to get. I want to purchase a hemp t-shirt. I want to purchase hemp wallet. By the way, I need to replace my hemp wallet. Uh, all of these types of things. What uh, branch of WAFPA can we purchase items like that from? That's a hippie's wallet right there. <laughs> ah. Uh, so at One Planet Hemp, we do have, we got t-shirts and we got hats and we've got think that we put some bags up there. We got a whole bunch of merchandise for NOCO that we were going to have at the event. And now we're just going to put it all online. So we've got stuff from Hempies and Hemp Mania with bags and purses. And we've got guitar straps. And what else do we have? We did have some pins from our old friend, Mark Linde, but we're out of those. Rest in peace. Oh, pens. You're, you're talking, you've got that accent. Pens. The minute you say Mark Lende, I know you're not talking about pins. You're talking about 3D printed or injection mold hemp bioplastic pen, pens. Pen. Uh, what a hero he was and may he rest in peace. Yeah. And I'm I'm kind of hoping somebody picks up his legacy and carries it on. And I, I have to admit, you seem like the best group to do it. Have you heard anything about carrying that uh, that legacy forward and, and creating those types of 3D printed and injection mold? Uh, very simple. Yeah. Very simple. We have name name plates and pens. So it's such engraved, uh, such an incredible gift that, that he offered while he was with us. Yes. Well, that's going to continue on and I actually did have a conversation last week with somebody that's I think we're going to be making an announcement here in the next three to four weeks so my heart is singing over that Morris there's, my some, heart great, absolutely. there's some great things coming down the pipe here uh, with things that are going to get announced here in the next 30 to 60 days this is so great oh oh so awesome to hear <laughs> um and, you know, I heard you say guitar straps. So then let's talk about one of the super exciting. And I know you're not only are you a musician with a family of musicians, but of course your career prior to your full engagement in hemp. And I know for a, that you have been involved in the hemp movement, of course, since the early 2000s. Um, but you were in the music industry, happy scratch. So music is just a huge part of who you are and your life. So you have developed, you and your partners, of course, Silver Mountain Hemp Guitars. Tell us a little bit about that. 
that and some of the new offerings. But if you could, of course, as you know, get into uh, the the materials that are used for the products that you offer through Silver Mountain Guitars. Okay. So we've been working on this guitar thing since probably 2015. And it started off with Canadian hemp guitars who were making some guitars up in Canada. And I know I, him well. Yeah, and so I got a couple of their guitars, and then I asked them if they would start basically private labeling guitars for me. So they made the first couple Silver Mountain hemp guitars for me, as well as some ukuleles. And then I started working with these guys, the Hard Truckers, that had made some hemp guitar cabinets back in 2008, 2009, and they were getting their board material from Asia. And then I think they were actually sourcing it from Larry from Hip Traders at the time. Yes. And then that board product, unfortunately, became inconsistent as far as there was a millimeter off here or there. And, and it just wasn't working consistently. We just, by the way, at Hemp Barons, we just had Larry on again because um, you know he's one of my favorite humans, Larry Serban of, of Hemp Traders. And we talked about this exact moment in in the industry's history. But continue, brother. Yeah. So anyway, at the time when I talked to the hard truckers guys, I was working with Trey over at Sunstrand and they had created some board products. So I bought some of their board product and we shipped it to Atlanta and, and had a couple of cabinets made. And unfortunately, with Trey's product, it had to be um, compressed and, and, and glued together because he I had like half inch board or three eighth inch board. We needed three quarter inch board. And so along comes Larry finally with his can of Grove. And it's like, dude, we got to make some guitar cabinets. So I bought like 50 sheets from Larry and we made 45 cabinets and... Now we're making, uh, we just, so we made 45 guitar cabinets, one by 12s and two by 12s and a couple four by 12s. So I've got a bunch of hemp guitar cabinets with Larry's Canagrove board and they've all got American made, Ameri American, American made. grown and American made wow. the whole thing. And now we just made our first combo amp. So it's, uh, the amplifier and the speaker, the whole thing is, is one unit. And we're using Larry's board as well as the hemp wood from the hemp wood guys in Kentucky. And those guys are making Wilson. a really great product. And then we're also using that hemp wood and Larry's product on our new guitars, uh, which the Canadian guys are not making it. The guys that are making the cabinets in Atlanta are making the guitars for me now. So we're really excited about that. And I've got my first two original hemp caster silver mountain hemp casters will be coming in here in the next couple of weeks so beautiful it is such a treat i know that i i of course get to enjoy a a personal relationship with you and your amazing goddess kate curley who of course has been on the show a couple of times um and so have been able to visit your home and boy to go down into your expansive office and music room and to look at these incredible designs at these products that you we we only dreamed of them right and you've birthed them in into the world, Morris. It's just amazing. 
Let's talk uh, a little bit in our remaining time about some changes that we want to see uh, in the hemp program nationally, of course, the USDA, federally, that, that domestic hemp production program. And you come to us from Colorado. Colorado and Kentucky have been such leaders from the beginning um, in the emerging hemp industries and the reestablishment of the crop. So we really look to both of those states as being such a leader, but certainly Colorado, which has uh, such an active and engaged legislature. The Department of Agriculture is just so highly supportive um, of the program and, and making Colorado a leader. So why don't you take um, a moment to tell us some of the things that that you know we're all working on uh, at a federal level and then something specific uh, to Colorado that's very important going on in the movement. Well, with the, the national thing, I think one thing that's been on the radar for quite a while is this 0.3% and really wanting to get that percentage at 1%, which we know now is supported by the Farm Bureau and I think the National Farmers Association. So you've got the, the, the big farm people that are behind getting it to 1%. We don't want to criminalize farmers because of this arbitrary 0.3%. And I mean, you can have seeds grow in Colorado to New York to Kentucky, and there will be variances of THC percentage with the exact same seeds. And it's so there, there is this environmental difference. And again, we just don't want to see farmers have the liability of becoming criminals because of this arbitrary percentage, which is a, such a small percentage anyway. I think that we, uh, we know that if it gets to 1%, that that can be remedi remediated in downline in processing and manufacturing. So by the time it gets to the consumer shelves and goes into the body, it's going to be in compliance with whatever it needs to be in compliance with. So I... And I, I think that the other aspect of that is not only is this arbitrary number and, and inconvenient and disgraceful uh, trap for all of a sudden turning a farmer into a criminal who's, who's certainly growing a non-intoxicating crop at those low numbers, even 1%, but on top of it, research continues to show us that as we increase uh, the THC in the hemp plant, again, these minuscule types of levels, we are seeing an increase in biomass yield. We are seeing an increase in the density of the nutritional profile. Um, so really, not only is that arbitrary number, which can absolutely not uh, result in an intoxication, at, on that dry weight basis, um, but and create criminals, but it, it also is hindering the actual potential of the crop, and it's hindering the bottom line for farmers, who, as you well know, uh, are going the, the bankruptcies long before COVID. I mean, in September of 2019, the reports were coming up that agricultural and farmer bankruptcies were up 24% over the prior year. So it's really time for us to celebrate uh, our farmers and get real with that with that number. Um, I know, of course, for me, uh, on top of the, the obvious need to increase that number 
the drug felony ban, we very much want to remove. You know, it's amazing to see these other forms of cannabis, the legal adult use and medical market, where it is such a focus, the social equity and making sure that the populations, i.e. minorities and people of color who have been disproportionately impacted by the drug war, that fairness and equity come out of the legalization of legal and adult use cannabis. And yet here we are with hemp, which by the way, the more I learn, the more I discover, and it's a very important for me to continue to build my knowledge base. I just picked up Farming While Black, which is a tremendous book by Leah Penniman. Um, there wouldn't even have really been slavery in the in the state of Kentucky had it not been for hemp. So it's an unusual relationship uh, that hemp has with slavery, particularly uh, in southern states, etc. And uh, we so what we're saying with hemp converse to the legal adult use and cannabis market is I know we know you've been disproportionately affected by the drug war and as a bonus you also don't get to participate in the hemp opportunity if you have had a drug felony conviction uh, within the last 10 years and so I'm really excited to see that change and going back to the one percent brother, pyrolysis. I mean, we were supposed to get so excited over the summer, over, uh, I guess it was probably last fall. I have to admit, COVID has sort of turned it all into one season, oddly. Yeah. Um, but in any event, when the USDA said, hey, we know you've got some trouble and comments here for our domestic hemp production uh, emergency or interim final rule, as it were, um, but, but we're giving, we're throwing you a bone. In terms of a compliant way to dispose of your non-compliant crops, meaning crops that, of course, are above 0.3% total THC, uh, you can you can now compost it. So that's cool. You can mulch it. Also, you can bury it. You can mow it under. You can disc it. You know pyrolysis, we are talking about a huge game changer. Why on earth are we taking the world's most valuable fiber, the most valuable cellulosic makeup of plant material that we have ever discovered on the planet Earth and making farmers who have sacrificed their labor, their land, uh, their finances, and in many cases risked because they couldn't get federal crop insurance, which they're mostly used to, and then tell them that this world's most valuable valuable fiber they're going to have to destroy, Essentially, I know they change it to dispose, but when there's really nothing useful other than composting is very useful. I'm not going to yeah. mean for heaven's sake, we're talking about building organic matter, but what the heck, Morris? No, it's, it's ridiculous. So I think, you know, on the federal level that has to change. And I, it seems that there's some work going on behind the scenes where this interim final rule might not become final in 2021 that we may be able to carry on with the 2014 thing until the next farm bill. So let's just hope that we can make that happen and that all this stuff that's wrong with the interim final rule, that we fix that and we get the DEA out of the whole thing out of the whole thing. And as we've said, and I know you and I have spoken about it many times and we've mentioned on the show before, the farm bill was over a thousand pages long. Now, granted, the hemp provisions took up around 31 of those pages, but the farm bill was over a thousand pages long. And in that farm bill, there was not one instance of a reference to the DEA, to the Drug Enforcement Administration. Yet, out of those 31 pages of law, 
that legalized hemp as an agricultural commodity, reestablishing this versatile, viable plant in the United States as a legal crop, removing it and the THC derived from it from the Controlled uh, Substances Act. Um, yet, as we wrap up, uh, Morris, how about Colorado? What's some? What's a really important initiative that the hempsters and advocates in Colorado are looking to change in the state? So we just are wrapping up the CHAMPS program, and there's going to be like a 100-page document that is the Colorado Hemp Advanced Management Program, I believe is what that acronym stands for. And so, Advancement yeah, so, something. Yeah, so th here is the Colorado plan for the hemp industry. And along with that, we're going to be developing a Colorado Hemp Center of Excellence. So right now there's people that have made proposals to, to kind of head up the initial organization of that Hemp Center of Excellence. And there's been a little bit of a discrepancy as to who really should have that contract. So right now um, there's a marijuana policy group that was granted the contract and there was a, a protest on behalf of pretty much the majority of everybody here in Colorado aligning against that because we've really worked very hard over the course of the last five, six years to differentiate our hemp industry from the medical and adult use side of cannabis. And, you know, we're an agricultural crop that's medicinal and adult use recreational. And we really, it's an ex, it's an extract crop, yeah, you know, essentially it's an extract and flower crop. Right. And we just don't want to blend the lines with the hemp center of excellence when we're going out to potentially companies like AT&T or, Hewlett Packard or Microsoft or big companies to get on board with helping us, you know, support this and universities where having a marijuana policy group is going to scare off certain types of partners that we would like to have involved. And plus, I, and plus, we just re would really like to have people with hemp experience um, setting this up that have been part, have skin in the game from the get-go. And there's a lot of people that do. So we'll see where it goes. You know, we're, we've got a great relationship with the Department of Agriculture. They've been very supportive of this industry. Governor Polis has been a champion for this industry for years. So we're hopeful that it's all going to work out fine in the end. And, and it Everything is going to work out fine in the end because we never give up and we keep advocating. My God, it's been, you know, been in hemp for 30 years. Look how far we've come. Right. You know, um, and I guess the other thing is to say nothing of a potential marketing problem as we try to, uh, you know, advance this crop. Hemp and, and legal and adult use cannabis, uh, legal adult use and medical cannabis have basically other than where they in this small area where they happen to converge around extracts and flour for for inhaling or smoking, uh, they they have almost entirely different interests. They're grown differently, harvested differently, cultivated differently. When we're talking about growing for these agricultural purposes in the oil, seed, and fiber market, so it it literally makes no sophisticated sense. And, and I think what surprised me the most when the CDA came out was giving that contract um, to the adult and medical cannabis community, it, 
I have to be honest, it just smacked of some weird backdoor special interest because of all the states other than potentially Oregon and, and Kentucky that have a really solid understanding of where those interests and needs diverge. It's Colorado. Yeah. So what, how the heck, I mean, how did that even, I mean, it was just super counterintuitive and almost to me, I don't, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but that was sort of like transparent in my face, WTF. Yeah. Well, without getting too in the weeds with it, I think that hopefully they've realized that it was bad judgment on their part to award that contract the way they did. And hopefully they rescind it and open up the contract to other parties in the next couple of weeks. We'll find out here soon. Well, and if they do, it'll be because of people like you and the tremendous group um, of cooperative uh, folks in Colorado who are continually working uh, to advance the crop in that state. And you, and Lizzie, and Lori, and your whole huge team uh, working to advance the crop all over the world. Brother, Morris, thank you so much for being with us, for sharing what you're doing, sharing your, your updates, uh, and for making so much of this information available to us at no cost at all. Um, I cannot wait to have you on again. I cannot wait to see you again. And thank you for everything. Well, thank you, Joy. Keep doing what you're doing. Spread the good word. You do an amazing job doing that. You know I will, brother. Stay healthy. You too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host of the Pop Moms podcast. I started the Pop Moms podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.